and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. Today we're talking websites and the essential elements your website needs to ensure it's bringing fresh, juicy copywriting customers to your virtual door every single day of the week. In fact, we're going to give you a checklist of our 10 most important website bits and bobs. So keep your ears peeled and see if you can tick every single box. Hello, my name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter and the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the Recipe for SEO Success Learning Hub. And with me is my co-host, Belinda Weaver. Hello there. I am Belinda Weaver. I'm a copywriter as well. My business is Copyright Matters and I'm the creator of the Copywriting Masterclass course. Okay, for regular listeners to the show, you know we like to ask a really stupid question at the beginning of each show so that you can get to know us a little bit better if you want to. So, Belinda, I'd like to know, I think I know the answer, what were you like at school? Were you a rebel, a square, a prom queen or a geek? What were you? I would say I I was definitely a square. I know you're shocked. Um, I was probably not super nerdy. I would be more of a class clown, um, but I always got good grades. Yeah, don't worry. I was a square too. I loved school. Uh, There were bits of school that I didn't like, you know, some, some, a few bad years, but generally I really enjoyed school. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, both squares, um, that's a bit of a shame, isn't it? One of us should have at least been a rebel, but never mind. Um, Anyway, let's get stuck into the episode. I'm excited about this week's episode. It's my favourite thing to talk about. And we're talking about what to include on your copywriter website. We're going to give you our tips for must-have content. Now, in the the period of my career, I have probably looked at hundreds and hundreds of, of copywriting websites. A lot of the members of my group, we do little audits on their copywriting sites, and I see the same problems coming up again and again and again. So that's why we're doing this episode. And we're going to get stuck into the tips straight away. And my first tip is a bit of a silly one, Belinda, but it is to actually have a website. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Because I bet you know a few copywriters who don't have websites, do you? Yes, I do. And they're either um, a little bit timid about actually creating it. Uh, they don't have the budget or they've actually got enough work and they're putting it yeah. up. I know that's the thing. It's, it sounds crazy, but I know so many copywriters who haven't created a web cut, website. And as you said, a lot of this is because either they're getting work through word of mouth or they have regular work coming in, so they don't think they need one. Um, or they are, as you said, scared, maybe scared of the technology, or they don't want to invest the money. But I just think it's so important to have a website. Um, it's a virtual business card, a place to prove that you can do what you say you can do, a place to hold samples of your work. And the truth is that although the work may be flowing now, it might not always keep flowing. You'll have heard Belinda mention on the podcast many times how we should always be marketing. And the thing is, your website is sitting there marketing your services for you while you're busy working on your existing clients. What do you think, Belinda? Uh, I agree 100% with everything. I think having a website 
makes you look more professional. It shows that you're serious about being in business and it's not just copywriting. It's not just a hobby for you. And, you know, if you do it right, it could actually bring in some exciting, more well-paid opportunities from new clients, like from Google. Even though you might be getting um, jobs from word of mouth, and I absolutely encourage people to invest in their networking to get jobs by word of mouth, um, you need to have someone somewhere to point people to. And personally, when I'm looking for a supplier or a service provider, anything, if they're not online, they don't exist to me. They're dead to me. <laughs> You're so cruel. But I I'm the same. And the thing is as well, especially for copywriters who are promoting themselves as website copywriters, how can you do that if you don't have a website? I just think it's crazy. Mm. And look, it doesn't have to be expensive. You can build a serviceable WordPress website for less than $300. You know, um, there are lots of tutorials out there online, but I'm going to do a plug now, Belinda. I have a new course um, that I'll link to in the show notes, which is how to build an SEO-friendly WordPress website. It takes you through domain registration, hosting, installing WordPress, installing a theme, setting up pages and posts, integrating it with Google, and a full guide to using the SEO plugin Yoast, all with on screen step-by-step instructions so um, a few copywriters uh, a lady called Dominic Kimber has already produced her copywriting website using the course which was I don't know I felt like I had had a baby I was so proud when when she showed me the site it was amazing it just was really satisfying I don't know why Um, so you really I don't think you really have any excuses Um, and just on this point before we move to tip number two um, take the time to set up a professional email address as well Um, my little course there shows you how to do it it's so important to have an email address that matches your domain name rather than having you know, Bob Smith at Gmail. It just doesn't look professional to me. Yeah. Um, maybe we're a bit judgy-wudgy, but I just think it makes all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And and my tip actually is about that domain name and, you know, having a, a memorable domain name because we talked about this a bit in our branding episodes, which we'll put links to in the show notes. But when you're actually choosing your business name, you're also choosing your domain name. Now, you don't actually have to have a a domain name that matches your business name, but I think it's a pretty good idea. And when you're looking at your domain name, you need to make sure it's reputable. So you need to make sure that no one else has it or it's been blacklisted. You need to make sure it is actually available. So maybe the the .com plus the domain name in your country. Um, And you need to make sure it's memorable. So it stands out from the crowd. Um, I will with, I will also add with memorable, you need to make sure you can say it. So yes. when you're actually saying to someone, this is my website, you don't want to have to um, explain something really long and you don't want to have to have some really complicated spelling. Yeah, totally. My husband has a French business and we came up with the name Voulez-Voulaz, um, which is kind of fun, uh, Voulez-Voulaz. But the number of times people have gone, Voulez-Voulaz, yeah. um, and we have to try and explain, what, what does that mean? It's just such a nightmare. I should have gone with something so much simple, simpler. Um, when it comes to domain names, I must admit that I'm a huge fan of eponymous domain names. So, you know, naming your business after you, Kate Toon copywriter. Why am I fun of that well there's a few reasons and I'm sure Belinda's going to virulently disagree with me but first of all they're easier to get so you know unless you have a name like 
John Smith. Most people's names are a little bit unusual. And if you add the word writer or copywriter after them, then they're going to be easier to get in that .com and in your own country extension. But also not just that, you want to make sure that the brand name that you come up with is available across all social media. Worst thing is you register the domain and find out that the Facebook and the Instagram and the Twitter and all the other ones have gone and some other copywriter owns them. So that's one thing, easier to get. I think they're more memorable um, because, you know, people meet people. And when you're going out and talking to people, you, you introduce your name. Um, and unless you're planning on building a large agency, most copywriters are solo business owners. So the relationship is direct with you. Um, you know, you head out, you head out, hand out your business cards um, and people remember the person, not necessarily the brand. And, and personally, I just think there are so many, I don't mean to offend any of our listeners who have chosen one of these. Maybe I'm just gutted that I I didn't get to them first but there are so many puns on the right way the wordsmith words that work working words writing words wordy word word that I <laughs> even as a copywriter get confused so I might recommend wordy word word but it's not the wordy word one I meant because someone I maybe just say it a little bit wrong do you know what I mean yeah, by that? yeah yeah no, no, absolutely. I mean, my business is copyright matters. and But I think I chose, I didn't really have any grand plans to have an agency or sell the business, which are two big reasons why you might choose a name that's not your own name. But I think I was just timid. I was so timid about starting that I, I think I wanted a name that I could kind of hide behind a little bit. And yeah, there was a, a certain naivety about me starting a business that I thought when you started a business, you just had to choose a business name. I think it never really occurred to me until I was already going that I could have chosen my own name. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> I think that's it. And, you know, we are... I think another thing is, we've talked about this a lot, people are nervous about saying, hey, I am a copywriter. Mm. So having it in your own name is really kind of putting it all out there, isn't it? It's yeah. a bit scary. So that might be another reason. Um, but yeah, whatever you do, choose a memorable domain name. That was Bill's tip number two. Yep. Um, my tip number three is to have um, a unique selling proposition, um, a USP. So when you get to your homepage, does it clearly articulate somewhere on the page what you do who you do it for and why you do it better than anyone else so you know that's commonly known as your unique selling proposition is what else is usp stand for unique selling no i think that's it that's it okay cool i'm yeah. just having a moment no like <laughs> some people call it a value proposition a value yeah, proposition yeah. yeah there's different ways of calling it but it's basically you know what makes you special and when who you work with and what you do i visit so many copywriter website where there's just a giant image of a hand and a keyboard and a coffee cup <laughs> on a nice poster and i have to scroll and scroll until i find out who you are and what you do now obviously it's pretty likely that you're a writer or a copywriter of some sort but we're talking about trying to differentiate yourself from the masses of other copywriters what do you do differently what makes unique in the world of copywriting that's pretty hard to find but that try you know just mm. try um, I'll give you an example this is was my USP uh, it's still there and um, from when I was doing a lot of copywriting it's not brilliant but I'll just put it out there as an example so mine was I work with small businesses agencies and big fat corporate brands to provide copywriting that's affordable reliable and wonderful and that was my USP. Can you remember yours, Belinda? Because your site's changed now, so. Oh, God, I can't. I've got awesome hair. Yeah. And I write dead good copy. <laughs> That's 
try authentically ginger do you know what oh, yes let me have a think about it in the background while we record and I'll, I'll i'll dig it out before the end of the pod you won't remember but we'll put it in the show notes yeah um but yeah but yeah i know you had something and look you're you know it sounds silly and you know we, we, we joke about belinda being ginger all the time because obviously it's hilarious but that is a point of difference and sometimes you know it can be something like that do you know what i mean like I think it can. Yeah, no, that's I absolutely agree because what we're talking about is you want you want someone who is coming to your website to realize like the things that you said Kate, they want to know, they want to be able to figure out what you do, who you do it for to realize if they're in that group or not and why they should choose you and why they yeah. should choose you might be because um, you're very experienced or you're very professional or you write great copy, but it might be because you have a bit of a, you know, quirky feature. What? Like that's why I always talk about Doctor Who because I want clients who also like Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, and Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> it's mid- it's Midsummer Murders, Kate. Murders, sorry, Murder She Wrote is terrible. I'm so glad it's not that one. Um, anyway, tip number four. What's your tip number four? Mine is another, What's it seems like an obvious one, but it's a phone number. You must have a phone number on your website, especially if you're starting out. And, you know, I know a lot of people don't want to receive phone calls. They don't want to make phone calls. We're all in that age now, I think, where we use technology so much that actually getting on the phone makes us feel a bit icky and nervous. But the truth is, every time I've jumped on a phone with a client, I've converted with them. I've converted them. So it absolutely works when you get talking to people and you get them talking to you. You make, I'm going to buzzword bingo here, you make a connection. Um, And so if you want and the other thing is here, uh, not everyone likes to come, you know, contact by email. Some people prefer the phone. And just because you don't prefer the phone doesn't mean your clients don't. You have to think about how people want to get in contact with you. And if you don't have a website in your in your on your um, website, if you don't have a phone number on your website, you're blocking off a channel for people to get in contact with you. So that's my big tip. It seems really obvious, but a lot of people hide. Hide it. God, the number of websites I go to, and I think people are like, oh, I don't want to be answering the phone. But you don't have to answer your phone all day. Just pick a pick a couple of hours that you want to be available on the phone and call people back. Yeah, People will just leave messages, but at least they feel that they can communicate with you the way they want you to. I mean, I used to have the phone number on my site. I've now removed it in a lot of places because, you know, because I wanted to. Um, but when you're starting out, as you said, it's it's just important. Yeah. Um, one little tip is make sure it's click to call on mobiles. So now Google reckon about 60 to 70% of searches are starting on mobile devices. So make sure that I can just click, you know, check your site on your phone and make sure that you can click the number and it will start dialing. Uh, another little SEO tip is, is to consider including your phone number in your meta description. This will mean it will show up in your snippet in the search engine results pages. So if I type in Sydney copywriter and there are 10 copywriters there and one of them has their phone number visible, I might call them straight away without even visiting the site. Oh, and good tip, good tip. We want people to convert. That's what it's all about. You can't hide behind your website and just pray that people email yeah. you. Okay, we're taking a quick break from the pod now to talk about a great tool from our new sponsors, JumpChart. Woohoo! Thank you, JumpTart. Yes, it's a website planning tool that helps you work out which pages you need and what to write on those pages. Well, I just use Word for that, so why do I need anything else? 
Well, it's all about the planning bit. Jump Chart helps you easily plan the copy using their sexy sitemap tool. The sitemap literally builds itself and you can add pages, you can drag and drop them. It's like a website, but naked. So imagine there were a blueprint for a website. This is what it would look like. You can navigate to every page, manage the metas and the titles and see the bare bones of your website plan before you even push your first pixel. I Some of these tools are a bit hard for me. So is this easy to use? Uh, yeah, this one's, even you could use this one, Linda. It, <laughs> it has a really simple interface, clean design, and I like it because it's completely distraction-free. You just write, and they have these really cool things called content stats, which include helpful numbers like word count, but also how many times you've used a certain word and the readability level of your copy. Well, that does sound awesome. I would use all of those things. So it sounds like you could use it for, say, a freelance copywriting project, but also maybe a book outline, perhaps. Um, and what about sharing? Could you share what you've done with a client? That's what I want to know. Yeah. yeah, you can. You can invite them to just. You can invite them to edit, risky, or you can invite them just to read your work. And then when you're done, you can export the entire project to a PDF or HTML. That does sound awesome. It's so awesome. It's a fun tool. It helped me quite a lot. All right. Where can I sign up? Well, it's free. There are paid plans, but we have a free plan too. Just pop over to jumpchart.com slash hotcopypodcast. Sign up today. And I'm going to say that again, people. It's jumpchart.com slash hotcopypodcast. And I think you're going to love it. Oh, and anyone who signs up for Jump Chart using the link in our show notes will receive 50% off their subscription for life but you have to get in before the end of August 2017. All right, let's get back to the pod now, Kate. Okay, tip number five. So in terms of your website, it's super important to have a clean navigation. So the navigation at the top of your website needs to be simple and straightforward. They are not the spot to have fun and write quirky words. So, you know, (laughs) you don't have contact. You have something like, let's chat. And you don't have about me. You have my story. I know it's cute and I know it's in vogue at the moment. But what it does is it makes people stop because they're confused about what they're going to click through. Oh, my God. I have my story, Kate. Oh, well, I think you're allowed because you're so fabulous and famous. But what I <laughs> when we're starting out, we need to keep it simple. Yeah, I agree. Just make sure that it's intuitive and usable. You know, sites like Facebook work so hard to make sure that using the navigation, you don't even have to think about it. You just know what to do without having to go. So our story, what do you think that's going to be? Is it going to be this? or anyway. Yeah. So my suggestions for anybody starting a copywriting site or who has a copywriting site is just to have home, about, services, portfolio, testimonials, FAQ, blog, and contact. And in that order, the contact should always be the final thing in the nav because it's the thing we want people to do most. Don't include us on the about and the contact. You don't need to say about us or about me or contact me. Who else are they going to be contacting? It's your website. And what it means is that you can have a really simple, clean, single word navigation um, that people can just, you know, use. Because if you think that your navigation is going to sell you as a copywriter, you're 
sorely mistaken. Um, people, and the reason I structure it this way is that it's so that people can know who you are before they know what you do and then why you're good at it. So we've got who you are about, what you do, services, portfolio and testimonials is why you're good at it. And then we get into the functional stuff of FAQs. You know, you don't have to have an FAQ page, but often that's where you can talk about how you work, how you charge, all that kind of stuff. But then the last thing is contact because that's the thing we want them to do most. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had all of these. This is exactly how my old website, before I switched to courses, this is exactly how my website menu looked. Beautiful. It's mm, a great tip. Um, my next one is tip number six, a photo of yourself. And I can hear many of you shrieking with horror at this suggestion. I see so many about pages with my story, but there's no photo. And, you know, yeah, I get it. No one wants to answer the phone and no one wants to get their headshot on their website. But if you're really pushing a personal angle, even if you're not, people hire people, people buy things from other people. And when someone's flicking between tabs, trying to choose which copywriter they're going to, you know, hire, it's the little details that come out on their about page. It's the personality that comes out through their writing and it's the photo, whether we like it or not. As soon as you see someone's photo looking directly out of a website, there is an instant point of connection and it's really, really important. Yeah, and I know that a lot of people are shy. They don't like their appearance. Um, but, you know, if you get um, a good professional shot, um, it will, they'll, work, they'll, they'll make you look good. That's what they do. Um, as Belinda said, it helps build a connection, helps show the human face behind the business. And you can even push it a bit further and be brave and have a video. <gasps> but, yeah, anyway, I do think having a photo is so important. I've got a couple of people in my community who have resisted for so long that they went and got a photo shoot. They looked gorgeous. Seriously, mm-hmm. I'm like... Why are all these copyrights so hot? Um, you know, and it just made them look the best version of themselves. It made them more confident. Anyway, so photo, yeah. I agree. Tip number six. Yeah, I mean, I've changed my website from when I redid my new website. Oh, I got my mug all over the homepage. But I've got some more candid photos on the About Me page as well and kind of dug into the website. So, you know, that can be yeah, an option as well. I think your photos look really, really good. I mean, I do have photos. I also have like an illustrated avatar of me, but I do have photos as well. So, you know, whatever works for you, but I I really think it's important. Okay, tip number seven for the seventh thing we think is essential to have on your website is a clear list of services. So what I mean by this is having, um, you know, outlining what you offer. Now, don't go crazy and list every possible thing you can do. You know, I write copy for uh, classified ads and websites and blog posts and press releases and sales sites, you know, it's just everything. Because what that does is it overwhelms the reader and they can't clearly see what your areas of expertise are. So I think it's important to lead with your strengths, perhaps pick six or so services that you want to focus on. You know, how do you pick those? Well, maybe think about the ones that you're best at or the ones that are the most lucrative for your business. Um, I think it's a good idea to feature those services on the homepage. Also have them in a drop down from the services navigation and then have individual pages that explain those services. So, you know, they serve as like mini landing pages and you can include, you know, useful content about 
how you do it. So say if it's press releases, how you write press releases, what what you do differently, maybe have some samples on there, some tips, some testimonials from previous clients, and then obviously a call to action at the bottom of that services page. And if you do that well enough and you do that right, well, actually those pages will rank in Google and people who are looking for a press release copywriter in your location will come to that specific page and get everything they need and they'll be much more likely to convert. Yeah, that's a really great Great tip. What I um, what I used to do and what I give as a tip to students in my copywriting course is when you're starting out, what you might like to do is um, have pages for what you think will be the most popular services, mm-hmm. have individual pages for those, and then maybe have a collective kind of other services page if you've got other things that you're not quite sure you might get into or you don't have a lot of experience in. So you can have a bit of a catch-all because they're not going to get a lot of SEO love, but you want you definitely want to shine a light on those profitable popular services. True, true. All right. So my next one is something we've actually talked about before on the podcast and it's testimonials and proof. And this can be a bit intimidating when you're starting out because you're like, I don't have any testimonials, Um, but you will get them. So when you're planning your website, you need to make space for them because they are incredibly powerful. And we've got a quote here from Search Engine Land that says 85% of consumers said they read up to 10 reviews before feeling they can trust a business. And I think that summarizes it perfectly. Um, Even though, like some people get a bit cynical, like, oh, all the testimonials say really good things. And I think, I don't think people believe it. And that's BS. Yes, testimonials say good things. That's entirely the point of testimonials. Um, and But people do believe them, especially when they're reinforcing certain aspects of um the service you offer. So we'll post a link to the testimonials podcast where we talked all about how to get testimonials, how to get awesome testimonials, um, and how to get credible testimonials. But basically what you want to do is you want to include um, a name, the person who gave it to you, um, and a business name and a link maybe to the work you've done, if you can do that. The more information you include about the person who's written it, the more credible it will be as well. Um, and that includes including a photo of them. You, like Everyone's on LinkedIn. Everyone's on the internet. If you do a search for them um, and they have a publicly available photo, use that in the testimonial because it definitely um, makes it more credible. Or you could actually ask people for uh, a testimonial. And one thing that I think works really well is to have testimonials maybe on a, on a page on your website, but also throughout your website website, especially for a relevant service. So if you've got a page about your blog writing service, have some testimonials from people who booked you for your blog writing service. And what you can do is maybe take out a little snippet from the testimonial and serve that as a headline and then have the longer testimonial available as well. So you want people who aren't going to, oh, I'm not going to read the whole thing to get the quick view of why you're so completely awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. One little thing I did um, recently with the recent round of my SEO course was also add some video testimonials, um, which I just found really helped. Um, I so obviously you think, God, who who is going to give me a video testimonial? But if you ask, you'll be surprised. People, you know, people are quite willing to do them now. People are much more confident. It's easy to make videos on your phone. So give it a try. I just want to apologize to our listeners. If you can hear a lot of noise, the man next door who always decides to use a leaf blower during our podcast has <laughs> reappeared. I'm not sure how he knows, Belinda, 
Do you send him like a Facebook message or something? <laughs> naked like, mowing man, are you ready to go? Chainsaw guy is out there <laughs> now doing his thing. So I apologize. But anyway, tip number nine. So tip number nine is to have a decent contact form. So most standard sites come with a form that has maybe your na- name field, an email field, and a comment field. But you can add more fields. And the more you add, the more qualified the lead will be. So for example, on my form, I added, uh, what's your budget? Um, I know that lots of people don't know their budget or they don't know what to write there, but some people do fill it in. And it's really useful when they do. And there's no harm in asking, as long as you don't make it an essential field. So the form can be submitted whether they fill it in or not then it's great. I also ask for deadline because everybody knows their deadline. Obviously, that deadline is negotiable, so I would never turn someone down just because of a crazy deadline. I would also always go back to them and say, hey, you know, can that move? But I think it's important to have those additional fields. Don't go crazy. Don't have 17 fields. But, you know, make that contact form work for you. Make it pre-qualify people. Um, And one little silly thing that I did, and I'll include a link to the blog post about this, was I added a silly question. So I ask people, I'm not going to tell you what my question is. You'll have to go to my contact form to find out what it is. (laughs) But I ask a silly question. And I tell you, that question informs me so much about the reader. The ones about the uh, customer, sorry. The ones that answer it wittily, I tell you that they they just turned out to be the best clients ever. Some of them just kind of go, I don't know what you want me to say here. And, you know, some just don't fill it in. But the ones who fill it in and write something funny are the ones that I leap on because I know they're going to be awesome clients. So check out my my secret question and maybe you can think of one for your site too. And I remember you saying um, when we were both being interviewed at the same time, you were saying that you just kind of put that question in as a whim. But as you just said, it actually has turned out to be incredibly informative. So I love well, it was actually a really strategic marketing plan. Oh, of course. Because, you know, yeah. Mm. I'm so forward thinking. No, it was a com- <laughs> complete whim, very silly, but it really, yeah, it was great. Well, my, I've got the, I've got tip number 10. And my last Ooh. one is including some information about pricing. Now, this is actually a highly debated topic. There are pros and cons to both. So the question is, do you include pricing on your website. Now, if you do, you will find that it stops tire kickers, people just searching around for quotes and who don't have the cash, um, they, they can't afford you. Um, so if you put the pricing up there, people go, oh, I can't afford that right now. And they don't, you don't even have to go through the contact form. You don't have to do the email exchanges. You certainly don't have to put a proposal together. But what it can do is if you put the prices up, is it can reduce you to that commodity where someone's just going on websites looking for quotes that they can compare and they choose someone based on the price. So, you know, there's both sides of the coin, but maybe, you know, if we do have pricing, someone doesn't choose you on price, but they decide that they have the budget to get in touch with you. So, you know, you can turn away people who can't afford you or are not going to pay, um, but you might also turn away some other people as well. So, you know, you have to decide what's right for you. 
No, I've never had have- pricing. I've had um, a rather vague pricing page that says, hey, um, I bet you expected to hear, see some information about pricing here. Well, and this is what a lot of copywriters do, every quote is unique and different and I like the opportunity to give you a customized proposal. And just because everyone does it, it doesn't mean it's wrong. I just, you know, I had something a bit funny on there and I just asked people to get in touch so that I could give them a price. What I did do is give people ballparks in some early conversation. So yeah. people would say, oh, look, I, I want a web five page, web five page website. How much would that be? And I'd say, well, without knowing any more, it'll be roughly this much. So that's another way you can put another barrier in to, to get rid of people who aren't going to be the right customers um, without necessarily making your pricing structure available to everyone, including other copywriters who are looking. Did you ever have a pricing yeah. page on there? Yeah, I did. I, I would highly recommend anyone listening to this who wants to learn more about pricing to listen to our pricing episode because um, we talked about this a lot there. Yeah, look, I, I do have pricing. Um, I, I did have pricing and I do. I had pricing for one on one page for one type of project. So I chose websites and I, you know, put in a lot of caveats. I included details of what it included, how many words per page, how many pages I was going to do, how many rounds of amends. Um, and so, you know, I had a, a three page, a five page and a 10 page. And I'd work that out on averages, you know, and sometimes I would win and sometimes I would lose, by which I mean, sometimes it would come in a little bit under and sometimes it would come in a little bit over. But gosh, did that page drive so many conversions. It still ranks really highly. I still get two or three conversions through that page every week um, or, or inquiries from that page, even though I'm not really pushing it anymore. So it does reduce tire kickers. My price is my price. So at some point I have to tell them that. And if they can't afford it, then they're not going to be able to afford it later. Now, the argument is, is that by the time you tell someone the price, they're so engaged with you and your value and they've, you know, they really want you that the price is no longer an issue. But as far as I've ever discovered with small businesses, price is always an issue, you know? So you're going to have to have that conversation at some point. I'm not talking about displaying your rates for every single project you do or having your hourly rate on the site. I just think pick one type of project that you want to do a lot of and maybe have some pricing for that. Try it out. You could always get rid of that page later if you if it's not working. Yeah, for you. yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, I think it really works if you've got regular work coming in. Yes, it um, does. As it soon as you can start being a little bit choosy and you don't want to start if you don't have the time to in quotes waste on people who aren't gonna book you, then this is something you should consider. Yeah, and we're going to do an episode coming up about what to do when your business is successful. We often talk about how, you know, people are desperate to get leads and whatever, but there is the other flip side when you have a lot of work. And as Belinda said, this is a way to streamline that. You don't want to be writing proposals that you're not pretty sure aren't going to convert. You know what I mean? Mm. You want every proposal you write to convert because they take a long time, even if you have a template. But anyway, let's look at the top 10 that we had. So we had number one, actually have a website. Number two, pick a memorable domain name. Number three, write a unique selling proposition statement on your homepage. Number four, have a phone number. Number five, a clean navigation. Number six, a photo of you. Number seven, a clear list of services. Number eight, testimonials and proof. Number nine, a decent contact form. And finally, pricing. So I think that's it. We've done our 10 essentials, Belinda. 
excellent list. I think this is going to be a good episode. I agree. Well, look, now it's time to say goodbye and our regular listeners will know that this is the time when we read out a review of the show. And today we're giving a shout out to Kurt Baumer. And he says... As any copywriter knows, exposure to new and or different perspectives can be a goldmine. Hearing the thoughts of copywriters outside the US is very enlightening. Thank you, Kurt Walner. And thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have time, leave us a rating review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review will make us feel lovely and will also help others find the show. And we'll also give you a shout out as well. You can head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode. And if you want to, you can tell us whether you are a square, a geek, a prom queen, a jock or whatever at school. But that's it. I think we're done. Thank you, Belinda. Thank you, Kate. Until next time. Happy writing. So you're still listening? Great, because I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, The Recipe for SEO Success Show. Sadly, this one's just me, Kate Toon, but it is packed full of useful, practical, doable SEO tips and advice. You can find it in the iTunes store, on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Just search for The Recipe for SEO Success Show. Okay, James, ignore the first one. We're doing it again.